to Gippsland Anglicans on Air. My name is Libby Willems. Uh, I am the Diocesan Development Officer at Gippsland Anglicans. Today I am with Reverend Lloyd George, who wrote an article in uh, a copy of the Gippsland Anglican, our magazine, on 40 years in healing ministry. Welcome, Lloyd. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Welcome. So tell me about the article that you wrote and what inspired that and what and it's a marvellous milestone, 40 years. Well, briefly, um, my wife Judy and I became involved some 40 years ago. We, we were living in Bendigo. We were involved in Christian ministry as lay people, although I was a professionally a school teacher for most of my working life. But briefly, we had a personal experience of healing through Judy. Um, she was diagnosed with a spinal condition, which was crippling her. And uh, medically, the prognosis was that this would deteriorate and she would need a wheelchair. Well, that was 42 years ago. And uh, briefly, uh, through the ministry of two different Christian congregations uh, and active prayer ministry, as well as medical treatment, she was quite cured of that. And we were able to embark on an overseas holiday, and uh, which included backpacking in Indonesia. My goodness, that's so quite physical. Now, of course, the effect of this was considerable. Uh, we met a sister from the community of the Holy Name who was very interested in Judy's experience, and she uh, made a comment which stayed with us was that, well, God has healed you, Judy, but not just for your own benefit, but for it's something that you should paraphrasing what she said, something that you need to share with others. And that stayed with us for the last 42 years. She also told us about Canon Jim Glennon in Sydney, who was a, for many years a leader of healing ministry in Sydney, which had quite an impact throughout Australia. We met him when he came to Melbourne for a series of talks at St John's Church in Camberwell. And uh, this led to many things and our involvement with the healing ministry in Sydney on a number of occasions. So that's how it came about. We also joined a group of which I'm still a chaplain, the Order of St Luke the Physician, which is an interchurch organisation which is uh, dedicated to supporting and encouraging healing ministry in churches. That's a fabulous and amazing story. And, like, yeah. and it must have baffled, it must have been surprising to the medics when Judy was showing signs of healing, mm-hmm. it, it must have confounded their knowledge of what was expected to happen. Well, that is an interesting experience because when Judy went back to her GP, who was an Indian doctor, he didn't register surprise as such. He simply said, well, you have been healed. And he, he was quite positive and said he didn't, I don't know if he was a person of any religious faith, but he was very accepting of it. And generally speaking, medical professions, there are times when we get a bit of cynicism or disbelief, but it's rare. In fact, within the Order of St Luke, we have a number of health professionals. In fact, even here in the Anglican Church in Gippsland, we have two clergy who are also practising medical practitioners. So that's one thing I've always stressed, and it's a concern to me at times because people come and say, well, divine healing or God's healing is one thing, the medical practice is another. And even cases of people, as I mentioned in the article, who've been told if you want God to heal you, you have to turn away from the medical profession. I think that's profoundly wrong Yeah. because to me and to 
we in the healing ministry generally, the two things complement each other. They're not opposites. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's an important point to make. That is an important point to make and certainly the, the, the revelations and the treatments that have been uncovered through a scientific process and mm. with God's guidance and God's hand in, in that research yeah. is, is, is part of the learning, part of the complement, part of the treatment and the healing that is open and available for people who are unwell. The other thing I mentioned in the article too, sometimes people ministering within the Anglican Church, and I've only been in ordained ministry now for 16 years. I was over 60 when I was actually ordained. But uh, sometimes people within the Anglican Church seem a little cautious and say, well, does this kind of ministry really belong in the Anglican Church? I seem to think it's something that's to be done by very charismatic or Pentecostal oh. churches. Well, the fact is, if you delve into the history, the Anglican Church has a long tradition and commitment to healing ministry. Um, I'm just, can I just quote something here? Yes. In not, this is a, a, from a letter, a pastoral letter, that was written by all the bishops of the Church of England in Australia, and it became at the end of a healing mission. What year was this letter written? This was written in 1923. Ooh. And this is a quote. The world today is waiting for a fresh revelation of the presence and power of God. It has already seen and felt once more the wonder of divine healing. Here is a clear call to the church to carry on the healing work of God, which has begun in our midst, that the thoughts of all who witness the work may be carried upward to the real healer, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Lord and Saviour of all life. 1923. 1923. That was signed by virtually every bishop and archbishop in Australia as a pastor. I've got the full text of the letter, which is quite remarkable, and uh, it's as relevant today as ever. But that came at the end of a series of healing missions conducted by an Anglican lay minister, James Moore Hickson, which made quite an impact at the time. And wouldn't Australians have needed that in 1923, not many years after the the Great War? That's right. And the chairman of the committee that organised those missions was Bishop Cranswick of Gippsland, by the way. Oh, a local, local connection. Yes. Wow. So with your healing work and healing prayer, does it only confine to individual healing, Lloyd, or do you uh, is that offered more widely to social ills and ills of um, in the environment, things that are unwell elsewhere? And, well, most of the ministry we do is to individuals, yeah. but, I mean, it need not be so limited. Uh, another organisation that the OSL or the Order of St Luke often works with is the Acorn Healing Foundation, which is based in the UK. We have a conference coming up in July, and our main speaker will be from that organisation, and um, they work very strongly on healing of relationships within and between communities. Okay. So it does have a broader perspective. Yes. One of the chaplains that Reverend Dr. Russ Parker has wrote a very challenging book called Healing Wounded History. And he deals with things like the conflict between Catholics and Protestants in Ireland and other conflicts that exist. Yeah. So the answer is, well, most of our ministry is to individuals, but it does have broader implications. Yeah, that seems quite relevant um, to more contemporary conversations and um, investigation into 
things of trauma and generational trauma that, that carries on and carries on. A lot of healing with individuals. There is another very interesting book on, um, on the healing of memories. Oh. It's a little controversial in some respects, but a lot of people have traumatic experiences and uh, these things you know, have an impact, mm. not necessarily a physical injury they had, but some other traumatic experience, and it, had, it can reassert itself, mm. you know, years down the track. We had a, um, a very challenging and interesting paper delivered at our last conference three years ago mm. here in Australia by Bishop John Haraway, and he gave permission for that to be used, but he spoke of his own experience mm. in that type of uh, how he had an impact mm. on his earlier experiences, mm. and also in having to deal with cases of sexual abuse when he became bishop had an impact on him personally too. Yes. So healing ministry is not just about physical sickness, but it has a broader range. Yes, yeah. I'm reminded of a story, um, which I won't speak specifically about, but it was of a person who had a war experience and had um, years later had experienced a, 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 an earthquake, quite mm. a strong tremor, and the sensation of that tremor was very reminiscent. It sort of sparked up a lot of war memory or war trauma mm. from her childhood. Um, it was very hard for her to process, and but with decades between the events, mm. decades, and um, it had just been sitting there in her mind unhealed and then was brought to the front when the earthquake happened and uh, took her some recovery time. She was cared for well, I understand, but I think it just can show you how latent injuries can be. They can just sit so quietly for such a long time. Indeed. The other thing that, uh, which I noted in the article too is that we undertake this ministry, Jesus himself gives us the authority and he gives us the power and it's his ministry, which is the guidance in all we do in his teaching. And bad practices and teaching can creep into this ministry. Okay. You know, it can be quite destructive. I mentioned uh, one danger which I, my colleagues and I see, and it comes out from time to time, the demonization. Yeah. A proper understanding. I'm just going to read, can I read from uh, what Jesus' commission he gave in Matthew chapter 10? When Jesus, quite early in his ministry, sent the twelve out, he didn't wait till later. Mm. These twelve, and this comes after their names, he's gathered together his twelve disciples. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. You know, there's a clear distinction between uh, demons, mm. and I think we should acknowledge, you know, some people want to dismiss them altogether, but I think we acknowledge that demonic powers are real. Mm. But to identify all sickness and suffering with demonic powers, mm. and even to tell people if they have some affliction they are possessed, mm. can be very destructive. Mm. We need a lot of wisdom and discernment in that area. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's great for Hollywood, isn't it? Those sorts of that sort of language. Yeah, was movie about exorcism. Oh, years ago, the exorcism. Oh, they're doing a remake. I don't know about the plot. 
it seems to be working on a similar theme. Uh, Those things are sensationalised or dramatised in a way. That will sell movie tickets. It's <laughs> very much Hollywood and entertainment. Yeah. 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 We need a proper understanding. We keep going back to Jesus himself and his ministry. Yeah. And what he taught. Yeah. That's the basis of it all. Um, Lloyd, Judy's story, and thank you for sharing about mm. that. It's so important to hear of these miracles, and that is a miracle. Miracles, I think, happen in, in on all scales of things. I think sometimes we think they're meant to just turn up and, and fix everything all at once, but I think there's um, examples of, of miracles daily and regularly and um, in many, many ways. Are there other um, stories of healing that you've been witness to that come to mind that you could share? Oh, well, I have witnessed. Uh, one thing Kevin and Jim Lennon used to say was that you know, we tend to look for sensational healing, and sometimes things can be quite sudden and dramatic. But he said that most healing is gradual, mm. and I think it's true. You know, a lot of, as you said, a lot of little healings take place, sometimes gradually. You know, we some of the television evangelists tend to dramatise things, and, um, you know, I'm not saying these things don't happen, but although I think there's been a few cases of proven fraud in cases like that, which yeah. is denigrating to the whole. Yeah. Christian witness. Yeah. But that's, apart from that, um, most healings are not sensational. They're mm. sometimes quite gradual, but they're real nevertheless. Um, I could think of cases of people I've ministered to. There was um, many little cases of healing. St. James Church in Drelgan years ago, there was a man who'd been troubled by arthritis for many years, a middle-aged man. He came along and he wasn't a regular church goer, but he... His friend and people suggested he come and he was offered healing prayer, which he accepted. Yeah. And he went away, oh, thanks very much. And he didn't, we didn't see him, but a couple of weeks later he rang up and he said, I'd just like to thank you, those people at the church who prayed for me. He said, my arthritis is completely gone. Uh -huh. Now, I don't know where that man is and what, yeah. what happened subsequently, yeah. but he was quite simple in his testament. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of things I wanted to remark on there. So I'm thinking as you're talking about some healing that I've um, been working on. There was, a, there was a, a hurt and a pain that I needed to pay attention to. And um, it's been a journey of months and years um, working on that. And sometimes I'd ask and I'd think to myself, when am I going to feel better? When am I going to feel better? And then one day something might happen, you know, there might be an encounter or an interaction and I could just that 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 reaction that I ordinarily would have had didn't happen, and I thought that's interesting. I didn't react like I used to react, and I could acknowledge that I'd grown and something had settled down and something was peaceful and at peace, rather than ready to react and bite back at whatever had happened. And so there was no sort of clear switch, you know, where I realised I'd changed, but there was this evidence of change. And so that slow revealing of healing, um, that's been an experience I've had. And and so I, I think just to give a story around that, you know, healing may not be a sudden, quick um, miracle, like you just get up and walk or, or yeah. you know, drop the crutches or whatever kind of experience. It might be something of you know, I don't feel that now and I don't notice that now. And I'm sure that's got a lot to do with what we understand about modern psychology and the, the way our mind works and even even let's not ignore what's known about placebo where treatment 
um, groups can be given a placebo and a, and, a, and a treatment drug unknowingly, but the placebo can have an effect. So sometimes the, the attention and the care and the belief in healing can bring about some healing yeah. with no medical presence, you know, no chem, chemical or medical or whatever present um, being there. So so there's, a, there's, a, there's something about um, being willing to heal, I think, is yeah. what, I heard you talk about in the man in, in Tarelgan, you know, he was accepting, he was happy to receive mm. prayer mm. and he took that in and he moved his mind and was open to healing and I'm sure that's important part of being healed is that you're wanting to be healed. True. Can I just do another quotation from the New Testament and this is a very important in this area. In the letter of James, are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick or heal the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. Now, there are cases, and I know one fellow who sought some healing ministry from a particular congregation, and a group of people prayed with him, and he didn't receive any healing. And they immediately said, you didn't have enough faith. And I think this is a this can be a bit devastating for people. Mm. If you read that scripture carefully, the prayer of faith is as much the faith of the people who are ministering as it is of the faith of the people who are. And to throw it back on the person who is seeking healing and say, it's, if you have enough faith, you'll be healed, and, if, and implying that if you're not healed, you're, you didn't have enough faith. That's the wrong perspective yeah. entirely, and I think it's important to go back to that. Yeah. Those verses in James, yeah. because they give us insight into what and how healing ministry should be done. Yeah. It mentions anointing. There was a very challenging book written by an American priest involved in healing ministry, Francis McNutt. And he had, the book was actually called, subtitled, How the Church Almost Destroyed the Healing Ministry, oh. which is a bit of an overstatement, but he made some very positive points. And he said, in the medieval church, the Catholic Church used to anoint people when they were dying. They didn't. They divorced it from healing as such. Mm. But in the early church, we know healing was part of healing prayer. Mm. Anointing was part of healing prayer. One of my mentors, the late Bishop Owen Dowling, told the story that uh, when he was asked to go in Canberra to a, a friend of a church member who was ill, not not with a life-threatening illness, but quite ill in the hospital. And the person wasn't a regular church gold goer, perhaps didn't have any particular faith, I don't know. But when he saw the bishop coming in with a clerical collar on, he said, oh, I'm not that bad, am I? No. So he immediately associated the coming of a clergyman with, oh, I'm on the way out, yeah. end of life. But his bishop, Bowen, great fellow, said, well, we did have a good, once we got over that obstacle, we did have a very productive interaction yeah. and he did receive healing prayer. But this is the, you know, how things can become established. But these days, churches generally, and I think including the Catholic Church, have reinstituted anointing as a healing ministry rather than simply a preparation for death. Um, Lloyd, I know you have a song um, up your sleeve that you'd like to share with us, and I'm interested to um, ask you about when, when we come back from the song, 
about other experiences of where people maybe haven't received healing or had the healing that they were praying and hoping for. So we'll come to that in a moment. But tell us about the song you've chosen today. Oh, I just happen to be a Redcats fan. And Australia's most famous jazz musician is James Morrison. He got an international reputation. Um, it's I'm not known by everybody that he he's Christian and he plays and writes gospel music. So... One of his songs is Jesus is the Way. Fantastic. Sung by Emma Pask on this recording. When my life was down, when all I knew was doubt, feeling sad and lonely, my heart was crying out. Who was I to be? I asked the Lord above. It's all with love Jesus is the way The truth and the life Jesus is the way He will see you through the strife Jesus is the way God sent Him in to save us Jesus is the way He gives eternal Piece of music. Yeah, he, he wrote the words, Looking at the line. Looking at the liner notes of your CD, Lloyd, it says here, this is a little tune of mine that invites you to sing along. If you didn't have the answer before, just keep singing. You will. <laughs> That's his comment. <laughs> 
So uh, you're here on Gippsland Anglicans on air and you're listening uh, to Reverend Lloyd George. Tell us about healing ministry. We just uh, left you with a question, Lloyd, mm. about how do, how do you support people who don't receive the healing that they've prayed right. for or you've prayed for? This is a question we always ask. I don't have a simple answer to it. Um, people say, well, we pray for people, they're not here, or people seek healing prayer and they're not. Um, there is a mystery there that I can't give you a simple answer to, but I can say two things with confidence. One is that whenever um, we do offer healing prayer and minister to people, I've never known anyone to become angry or entirely cynical about if they don't receive it. I have, um, and in almost all cases, there is some blessing. Um, often we pray with people, they might pray for something specific, which doesn't happen, but I can say that it does bring blessing and even if it's not physical healing <laughs> which is maybe what they seek uh, I think you suggested about you know people acquire peace of mind or freedom from pain and anxiety uh, benefits do come from healing prayer the main thing is that we do it faithfully mm-hmm. and uh, offer it to people and I wish we could every person comes and is healed exactly according to what they uh, acquire the other thing is that coming back to what I said before about faith, the faith of the people and and the faithfulness of the people who minister. It's not just on the person who seeks. And I think there would be more healing if we carried out this ministry more faithfully and with peace of perseverance because Jesus did teach that we should always persevere when we pray. And uh, we could go into some of the things that can be an obstacle to healing. Many factors can inhibit it, but the main thing is, coming back to Canon Jim Lennon, have the faith to begin. Mm-hmm. Another thing he often talked about was a root of bitterness, which is from Hebrews. And many people allow anger and bitterness, and we can all do this, and that can inhibit our healing and the healing of others. So that's not a complete answer to that question because I don't have one, but I do say we have the faith to begin and we have the faith and the perseverance to offer healing ministry to people. And there will always be some blessing. That's a, a beautiful um, thing to remember. Mm. Um, I'm reminded of prayers I've offered up and I was surprised that the answer that I received was not about the person I was praying for. Mm. It was about growth in me yeah. to be a, to be different and to strengthen the relationship I was praying about. And um, it turns out that I was being asked to do something um, and it um, the journey of the other person is ongoing and not easy, but um, I was asked and there was a, a big challenge. It was a big challenge to grow in the way that I felt I'd been asked to grow. Indeed. Many years ago, many ago, our church had a visit from a Baptist minister who gave us a little seminar on prayer, and I'm sorry his name I've lost, but he said two things, a number of very wise things about prayer. He said, if you pray for something or for someone, prepare to be changed yourself and prepare to be part of the answer or be prepared to be part of the answer. So prayer is very much involves the prayers as well as the people for whom you pray. And uh, it's not just giving something to the person, but 
it's a, quite a process. One thing I like in the Anglican prayer book, when they revised the prayer book a few years ago, the old prayer book had praying for the sick, but the new prayer book has praying with the sick, oh, or prayer and ministry with the sick. That one little change, I think, is quite important. Reverend Lloyd George, it's been delightful. Half an hour has gone very quickly. And thank you for your time today telling us about healing ministry. Thank you for another episode of Gippsland Anglicans on Air for previous episodes and to find out more about what we do across Gippsland as Anglicans, please visit our website at www.gippslandanglicans.org.au and we'll see you again next time.